Good morning, everybody. That was not a very good good morning. You kind of like, you didn't mean it, I could tell. You, you meant it, Miss June. Miss June, June just turned on me. That's not good. I'm on, a, I'm on a rough start already. She goes, yes, I did. I believe she did. Not any of you, but she did. So this morning, um, the thing I want to talk about, and um, the thing that's been on my heart a lot lately is we need um, a lot more up there down here. And um, what that means to me is we need to start bringing heaven down here, not in, not in just church time, but every day. Is people seeing Jesus in your life? Are you worshiping him not just this Sunday morning, but on Monday and Tuesday and when the bills come in and when people are nasty to you? How many of you have had someone to be nasty to you this week? All seven of us. I bet there's more. How many just lied? I'm just checking. I'm touching base. I know some of you are fibbing. It's hard, and living this life can be really hard. I think one of the biggest things we can do is try to find our identity in Christ. So what I want to talk about today is kind of what it looks like to live for Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is what it's called, but it's evidence that Jesus is alive in my life. Um, sometimes it's to the contrary. Some of us, how many of you had a week where you may not have seen Jesus in your life as much as you should have? Anybody? I think if we're honest, we all have weeks like that. Sometimes we have months like that. Sometimes we have years like that. The goal is every day that you get up, you ask Jesus, how can I do better for you? Not can, what can I get out of it? Not how much is going to help, help me today, but how can I show, to Je- show Jesus to someone that needs to hear it? How can I love somebody that's hurting, that's broken, that needs to see my Jesus? I don't know about you guys, but I love my Jesus. My Jesus changed my life. And I know that those around me, if they see my Jesus, it will change their life too. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen and Amen. So there was a, a large university, and they had a freshman orientation prior to school starting. And it concluded with a reception with the administration and the students. Everyone was mingling with one another, and an older woman started asking questions of an incoming student. What do you think of the college so far, she inquired. He said, I like everything but the president. The woman gasped. The boy continued, he's an old fuddy-duddy who's out of touch with the times. He's a loser, and he should be put to pasture. That's what they said about me when Jeff got here. But moving right on. The woman said, young man, do you know who I am? No, he answered. Well, I'm the president's wife, she said. The freshman said, well, do you know who I am? She said, no. The boy said, good, and he ran off. That's a pretty good one. Our identity reveals our character and who we are for the life that we live. What are you known for? What do people see in your life? Do they see the fruit of the Spirit? Do they see the fruits of the Spirit? Do they see someone living for Jesus more than this world? Or do they see somebody that's just pretty angry, pretty frustrated, ready to tell everybody else how bad they're doing? I pray when it comes to the church that we're changing people, and the only reason we can do that is because Jesus is in our life. Jesus changed me. He's still changing me. He will always be changing me if I truly trust him. And the goal as we go through this today is how can we really have that happen? There's a guy that I like to listen to a lot named Zach Williams, and he's got a new, new CD or I don't know what it's called now, but any one of those new records, you, you guys name it. I don't know what it is. I'm not that cool. What was it? Oh, yeah. It's called a preach. That's good. I got you. I'm with you. 
And this song, it just really been heavy on my heart. And it reminded me of this passage. And then um, when Jeff said that he wanted me to preach, I said, this is what I want to do. And so here's kind of how it goes. He said, we could use a little up there down here, a little more of your love. It's so clear. We could all use a lot more living on earth like it is in heaven. A little more up there, down here. A little more up there, down here. We could use a lot more heaven, or more living on earth like it is in heaven. Can I get an amen? Do we see that, though? I mean, seriously, some of you say, well, how do we see that? Well, it starts with you. It starts with not just this Sunday morning. It starts with loving your kids the way they need to be loved, loving your parents the way they need to be loved, showing people a church that is alive and excited about a Christ that saved their life. And Jesus saved my life, and it changed everything for me. And I got to tell you, sometimes I'm getting so old, I forget that. I forget that most important thing to say, you know what? I'm a changed person, and I'm going to keep on changing because Jesus walked on this earth. He put up with all of us idiots, and he changed our life. And if you're sitting there and you go, well, maybe I don't know that yet. Well, please listen, because I can't tell you enough how important this message is for us when we understand what it looks like to live for Jesus. I know some of you this morning, you come in here and you're tired and you're wore out and you're exhausted and life's beating the time out of you, and you were pulling for Mississippi State last night. (laughs) Thank you, Bill. But whatever the case is, I just want to encourage you to be honest with where you are. Charles Spurgeon said this, too many people think lightly of sin and therefore think lightly of the Savior. You know, we kind of put off sin. Well, it's not that bad compared to you. Like I'd say, you know, compared to Chris, I'm not that bad. You got to see what Chris does. You know what I'm saying? Compared to Bill, I'm good. But the thing is, that's not what we're supposed to do. What we're supposed to do is say, I love Jesus. And it doesn't matter how Bill or Chris lives, I'm going to love him. I pray they do too because that's what the gospel looks like when we love him and make a difference in people's life. How many of you know someone that needs to hear the gospel? How many of you told them of it? Yeah, I love you, but shame on you if you didn't raise your hand. And I'll be honest with you, my hand probably came down too on a few people, and I don't want that anymore. I want people to hear about my Jesus, about the grace that he gave me, and how much he takes care of me, and how he loves me in spite of me. Because I don't know if you guys know this. Some of you do. I know my wife does. I'm a mess. But in my messiness, he sent this Messiah. And this Messiah changes everything. And the church needs to scream, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But sometimes we just kind of act like we've been baptized in vinegar. Right? I mean, we come around and we're like the frozen chosen. And that's not what God wants of his church. He wants a fall festival where everybody's hanging out and laughing and giggling. And by the way, my wife told you all need to sign up and bring some stuff. Gotcha, honey. I'd have been in trouble if I forgot that. But we need you here because a church that does things together, lives together, understands what it looks like to praise Jesus together. And I want to know about your life. You should want to know about my life. I'm not that exciting, but I know there are people here that are. We need to learn about each other and love each other in spite of each other. Can I get an amen? Galatians 5, 16 through 26 is what we're going to read. Stand with me. Let's read it out together. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. The flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. 
These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But you are led by the Spirit. You are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, dissension, factions, outburst of anger, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is, ag- is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Jesus Christ have, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited and provoking one another and envying one another. So I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that if you do not do, so that you are not to do what you want, but if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Lord, there's a lot here to unpack. Um, may we uh, do our best to look into it, to be honest with each other. Lord, and there's so many ways we don't trust your Holy Spirit enough. There's so many ways we don't always listen to you, Lord. May we this morning hear your word. May it break in our heart. May it remind us of the hope we have. May we share it with lost people and people even who are saved that need to be reminded of their hope. Lord, if there's anyone in this room right now that is just struggling with some decisions, give them clarity right now. Give them peace. Give them the reminder that their hope comes from you, Jesus. May we look for you for all the answers. May we trust you. May we realize that we're a mess, but in our messiness, you are our Messiah. I love you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Thank you for today. Bless us as we look at your word. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people say. There's a lot to unpack, and I'm going to do my best, and uh, I'll make sure we get out time for lunch. Lunch is important to me, too. Don't worry. John Stott said this, sin and the child of God are incompatible. They may occasionally meet, but they can't live together in harmony. Now, that's, that's, that's pretty heavy, and I don't know if we teach that enough. Listen, if you've got sin in your life, you will. We all do. But if you're not allowing Jesus to take it, if you're not being honest, sometimes we, we do sin and we're not really honest about it. I had one of my kids at one point said, I didn't realize that was a sin too, Dad. There's a lot of them. Sin is just messing the mark. It's hamartia. It's when you don't do what you're supposed to do. It's messing the mark. And the mark is Jesus. And anything that you mess that is outside of that, then you're messing the mark and you are sinning. When you mess Jesus, you mess the whole point of this life. This life is all about him. It's living for him. It's living like him. It's being who he is. That's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the don'ts for a minute. And as I just said, messing the mark is sin. C.S. Lewis said this, We have a strange illusion that mere time cancels sin, but mere time does nothing either to the fact or to the guilt of a sin. So it won't just go away because, well, time. Sin is still sin. And I don't know about you all, but I've not ever met anyone, maybe besides Jesus, that did not have a sin they needed to confess. Some of you this morning, you need to get up to the altar. 
It's okay if you don't. It's not on me. Or you. I don't get paid by how many people show up at the altar. But I, what I do get is the satisfaction of knowing that you're trying to live for Jesus. When you get honest and you get real and you're and you straightforward with him, that's hard, isn't it? I don't know about you guys. Sometimes I don't want to be, I don't want to admit what I've done wrong this week. I don't want to admit how far I've fallen short of the glory of God. But the reality is, every week I need to be able to get on my knees and say, God, I need to do better. How many of you know one thing you can do better from last week? Two things, three things, seven things, 12 things, 50. Well, some of you just got down because you panicked. I get it. The acts, of the, the acts of the flesh are obvious. I like the way that's put, and I like the way that Paul puts that. They're obvious. So we know what sin is because it's right there. You know it because you know it's wrong. You know it doesn't glorify God. Some of us are forgetting that because we try to justify it. And we live in a time like no other where we justify sin so easily that I've never seen anything like it. Well, it's not that bad. You got to see how so-and-so is doing. Or that's bad, but I'm just watching it on TV. I'm not actually doing it. Right. And so I wish I could jump like that just once. Um, the, the thing that I want to remind you of, no matter what it is, Sin is a bad thing. Sin is when you mess the mark. And somewhere in our churches today, we forgot to preach against sin sometimes. Not at this church. I'm proud of this church. But I'm telling you, you are a sinner who's fallen short of the glory of God, whether you like it or you don't like it. I was at a church where, where nicest guy in the world, hardest worker, he came up to me and he goes, well, I'm not a sinner, but I like being at church. I said, well, I'm not overweight, but... <laughs> And I weigh a lot more than I do right now. And I, I try to talk to this person, and I try to be honest with this person. And he goes, but I'm a good guy. You can still be a good guy in sin. He goes, but I'm, I'm a good dad. You can still be a good di- dad in sin. Well, I, I work in my job, and I'm, people around there like me a lot. It don't matter. You're a sinner. You've fallen short. Several weeks passed, and he came back to me. And he goes, you know what? I think I am a sinner. I said, I know you are. We all are, every one of us. Hi, you know, one of the things that I love about some of the different groups that they have, where it's AA or Gamblers Anonymous, they, they say what they are. Hi, I'm Dave, I'm a sinner. And you guys were supposed to say hi, Dave, but that wasn't very good. That's good because you guys haven't been to very many of those, but still work with me. Hi, I'm Dave, I'm a sinner. That's really what church should be more. We should be able to say, hey, man, I, I messed up this week, and I need your prayer, and I need your, I need, I need your hug. I need you to check on, check on me this week. I need you to be reminded to remind me that God loves me today. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. We all have issues. But we see that, well, sexual immorality, that's not too bad. But if you watch something you shouldn't watch, you have it. Just telling you, just know that, note that. Impurity, if you watch something you shouldn't watch, you probably have it. Impurity is when you don't think the thoughts of God. Debauchery, well, that's just a whole other mess that we could do a whole sermon series on. Idolatry, some of us say we don't do that, but if you were like me, last night you went to the football game, and that can become an idol for you as well. There's some people that didn't come today because they were tired from last night. I get it. I was tired too, and it's hard. But I can't idle sports. I can't make things that aren't of God more important than Jesus. 
And that's not just being here. That's getting involved. That's showing up at, at this fall festival. I plugged it, honey. I'll keep plugging it. It's being a part of people's life and recognizing that we want to do better. I want to do better. I think sometimes we idle things that, that just aren't on God. If I just get this right car, this car is going to make me look so cool. I've never had a vehicle look, make me look cool. I had to say this, hardly anything makes me look too cool. But especially, and I, I look cool. I had a red truck once, and it was nice. I still didn't look cool. It's a truck. The only thing that's going to make us look right or even cool is when we live in a life filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about in a few minutes. That's, that's the goal of this whole message as we get there. But we'll get there. Hate discord, jealousy, fits of rage. See, now, these all sound like, well, you know, I don't have that one. I don't have hatred. Yeah, you do. You do. Every one of us struggles with it. Whether it's that person that gets on your last nerve and you don't think you're hating them, but you really can't stand them and you really don't want them around you and you've kind of messed the boat. Anybody ever do that or just me? Me and Randy. Thank you, Randy. The reality is when we have hatred and jealousy and discord, we forget what happens. And how many of you have ever been in a church where they split over something stupid? Uh, one of my, my favorite churches that I've ever been a part of was my church out in Phoenix. I love that church. It was a church that when I came out here, I wanted to be a lot like that church. And, and I loved them. But uh, the, the first day I was there, one of the guys, his name was Vince, and he was from New York. And he came up to me, and um, he goes, and he, he talked just like this. I'm not, he goes, don't worry. I got it all handled. I'm thinking, good night. What have I gotten myself into? And I said, Vince, what do you got handled? He goes, I'm going to paint the sanctuary. I said, okay, great. That's awesome. And so about a day or two later, I get a call from one of the other elders, and he goes, have you seen the church? I said, no, what happened? He goes, Vince painted. I said, yeah, he told me. He goes, do you know what he painted? I said, no. He goes, the church is now hot pink. I said, well, what's that look like? He said, it's hot pink, trust me. I said, well, what are we going to do? He goes, you're the one that said he could do it. I was like, I just said I was glad he was painting it. And he goes, we'll figure it out. I was like, good. So we got to the next meeting, and Vince, he's from New York, so he scared everybody. I was pretty sure he could put a hit out on me. And uh, we said, we don't like the hot pink. They did. I didn't say it because I want Vince to be my buddy. And he goes, if it's a church, it needs to be the church, and we're going to reach the people around us. And hot pink will reach the, reach the people around us. One of the other guys said, I don't know what you're talking about. And all of a sudden, they just had this, like, split. I, I was just there. I just got there. That was my first meeting. And so finally, I looked at him and said, guys, we just all need to get along. And Vince said, I will if he lets us keep the hot pink. We had more of a green by the end of it. It took a while. And with people, it takes a while to let them know what your true motives are. But when they knew um, that my heart wasn't about whether the church had hot pink or purple or, I don't know, Barney the dinosaur running around, my, my, my opinion was that people were coming to find a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes the church gets really messed up on that. We make the, the, the things that should be major minors and the things that are minor majors. We do it a lot in the church. You've done it too. You may say, yeah, they do it a lot. We all are. 
We, we have a predisposition from the way we grew up and the way we um, live life. And we, we're taught, well, if this church does this because this is the way I grew up. It's going to be great. Well, guess what? Things change. And it's not always going to be the same church that you've always had it to be. But the best news is Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen? So if that's the truth, I should have said amen, Bill. I'm sorry. I said amen. And I've never said that before. Here's the thing I need you to get. When the church does what it's supposed to, it changes lives from the inside out. When we love each other in spite of each other, and I guarantee you, some of you have places in your life that it's hard to love. Can I get an amen? I do, you do, we all do. But the reality is, when Jesus covers those, it's the most beautiful thing in the whole world. Can I just tell you, Jesus covered my sin? I'm a mess. And in my messiness, God saw through and sent me a Messiah. And that Messiah has changed everything for me. He helps me to get up here and talk to you guys. He helps me wake up in the morning. He helps me to smile. He helps me to go to the Two Sisters pumpkin patch with all of our seniors, which I'm very excited about. It's just living life for Jesus. And if you're not doing that today, you need to ask God, what can I do to do better? Let's keep rolling. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. That covers a lot of churches right now. I went to one church, and uh, the very first thing that you can get scared of is we've always done it that way. It scares me when a church tells me that. Um, And that's happened a lot. Um, That's why starting a church is always a good thing, because we haven't always done it that way. It's all new, and we're all working towards the same goal. Um, I think sometimes leadership in churches need to realize change needs to happen, and we need to work at it, and we need to understand that some of these things causes the problems, self-ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. It just gets bigger and bigger. The list goes on and on. It's basically this, though. Sin is messing the mark. Let me explain it to you for this way. If you're, not, if you're shooting an arrow and you're not hitting the right thing in the middle then you've missed what's important, right? Because the the way you score is by hitting the target. The way we score is by hitting the way Jesus wants us to live, by living for him, by changing lives because he changed yours. How many of you this morning can say Jesus changed your life? It's okay if you didn't raise your hand, but I want to tell you, he can, he will. You need to let him. My Jesus changed everything for me. My Jesus helps me get up in the morning, helps me get through a really rough summer. Some of you guys went through it with us. Helps me love my family, and I have teenagers. It helps me want to be a better dad. It, wants to, it helps me want to be a better pastor because my Jesus changed everything. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oswald Chambers said this, we have to recognize that sin is a fact, not a defect. Sin is red-handed mutiny against God. Either God or sin must die in my life. If sin rules, God's life in me will be killed. If God rules, sin in me will be killed. That's pretty strong, right? So let me just paint that picture for just a second. When I live for God, it kills the sin in my life. It covers it up because it's covered by the blood of Jesus. Jesus came so he can cover 
all the crud and nastiness that you got in you, and we all do. And if you're sitting there going, well, I'm not that bad. No, you're not, but you're still bad because you're a sinner. And anyone that has fallen short of the glory of God, they've missed the point. And we've all, every one of us, fallen short of the glory of God. I want to live for Jesus. And because of that, i got to do everything I can to make sure I hit the target. And every day the target is live more like Jesus. And if I do that, what we're going to talk about in just a second, the, the fruits of the Spirit will come out in me in ways I never even dreamed of. People say, man, that Dave, he's funny. Well, I'm not that funny. But God, through me, can make someone laugh because he's that good of a God. He can encourage somebody through me. Not because Dave's very good at encouragement, because God is great and encouraged me, and I can show someone else a little bit more grace, a little bit more hope. A little bit more peace, a little bit more love, a smile saying, man, I'm glad I'm in church today. How many of you are glad you're in church today? Then we need to live like it. Can I get an amen? We need to love each other, hug each other, put up with each other. That's hard sometimes. Some of us can be very hard to put up with, can't we? I almost want to say Randy just to mess with you, but I'm not going to, Randy. We're all a mess. We've all fallen short. If sin, in, if sin rolls in me, God's life in me will be killed. But if God rolls in me, sin will be killed. How many, of you, how many of you today needs to kill some sin in your life? There's some ways you can do it. Some of you need to get up this altar and say, God, here's that thing I shouldn't be doing. Here's that show that I shouldn't be watching. Here's that gossip that I shouldn't be saying. Here's that stupid thing that keeps eating me alive, and it's that, all because it's not of you. And here it is, God. Here's that addiction. Here's those cigarettes. Here's, here's that alcohol. Here's that cussing. Here's that, yeah, I can go on all day. God, here it is. Please take it. And some of you say, well, I've already done that. Well, do it again. Keep doing it till it takes. Because once it takes, it'll change forever. And the one thing you struggle with won't be the same thing. You'll struggle with something else, trust me. But it won't be the one that you struggled with yesterday. Some of you this morning need to get up to the altar and say, God, here is my attitude. God, here is my ignorance. God, here is my fears. Take them, Jesus. Take them. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except for what is common to man. God is faithful and just. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, and this is the key part, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That's awesome news, right? just one. That's great. That's awesome news, right? Listen to me. When we understand that he and only he will provide a way out so that we can endure our sin, our temptation, all the things that are taking us down. How many of you got bummed out in the last month at least once? Twice. 17 times. Here's the point. We all have things in our life that bum us out, that beat us up, that take over. But when we allow God to provide a way out, we can endure anything by the grace of Jesus. That's power, my friends. That's power. And you got it, and I got it. Why don't we use it more? Because we're afraid to. Because we don't realize what the power of God can do. Plus, we're scared of change in our own life. Some of you this morning, you want it, but you're scared of it. And that's okay. The best way to get more Jesus is to get up here to this altar and say, God, I want to start right now. In this prayer, Lord, take this thing away. For some of you, you you're going to have to ask him to take gossip away because you want to hear what's going on and you want to share it with everybody. 
Some of you this morning, you're going to take gluttony away because you struggle with overeating. I get that one. We all do. Get up here. Be honest with Jesus. Tell him the truth. Some of you, you got language that's not from God. And you're not really being a very good representative. Get up here and say, God, help me to talk better. Help me to be an encourager. Help me to be a person who loves you more than anything in this world. And start letting him provide a way out. It's, it's amazing when you ask him. He really does show up. Not always the way we expect, but he always shows up. I remember that I, I kept walking out um, the parking lot of a place that I used to preach at, and there were like thousands of rocks on the parking lot. I kept thinking, what is happening? What is happening? So one day I decided I was going to be Dave, Detective Dave. So I waited, and, went, and all of a sudden I hear the rocks flying. And I look up, and there's a kid. If he's ever been a four years old, I'd be surprised. I say, hey, little buddy, what are you doing? Throwing a rock, what are you doing? Well, I'm trying to get somebody to stop throwing the rocks. He goes, well, we probably need to do that because I'm the only one throwing rocks. And I looked at him. I said, what's your name? And he told me. And I said, why don't you come to church? And, and that kid started coming to church. And I, I went back to that church several years later. He had stopped throwing rocks, and he started preaching about the gospel. That's what my Jesus can do. He can take a kid who just wants to break a window and turn him into a person that wants to save a life. That's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. That's your Jesus too. He can do that. He does that. Rick Warren says this, God develops the fruit of the Spirit in your life by allowing you to experience circumstances in which you're tempted to express the exact opposite quality. Character development always involves a choice, and temptation provides that opportunity. So what are you going to do this week? Are you going to do everything you can to say, I'm choosing God. I want to do better. Let's talk about the do's. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. 1 Peter 4 eight. above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. I've heard people say, like, that church is too lovey-dovey. That church is too kind. I don't think that can even be possible. A church that loves Jesus loves each other. A church that loves each other can learn to love Jesus because when you love Jesus, it covers a multitude of sin. Some of you are going to say, but Dave, you don't know what sin I've done. You're right, but you don't know my Jesus because my Jesus covers every sin, even my messiness. And I want you to know I can be messy and I can fall short and I can make stupid mistakes. As I was talking about, sin is missing the mark. We mess the mark every day, but the best way to get on target is start loving each other and taking care of each other and being honest. I like the way this says it in 1 Peter 4 Love one another earnestly. It comes from a pure place. It's loving. Some of us, how many of you think you can be unlovely? Okay, the rest of you are liars. We all can be unlovely. We're all a mess. But Jesus, you take the very worst horrible thing you've ever done. Take it. Think of it right now. I know you don't want to, but do it. Jesus covers that. Can I get an amen? Take of the worst thing that someone's done to you. He covers them too. He covers it all. That's my Jesus. I love the way that he covers all the silly, stupid things that I contend to do. 1 John 4, 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. 
For some reason, I think sometimes the church gets away from this. We want to come across angry more than loving. We want to come across mean instead of graceful. And we as Christians tend to do that sometimes too. Some of the um, harshest words that I've heard about someone else was told to me in a church. And that just shouldn't be. No matter what anyone's done, if you're not telling them and loving them through it, then you shouldn't be going around telling everybody else. You should be loving them because Jesus loves you. And I hate to tell you this, but you're unlovely at times too. Just ask your spouse. Just ask your children. We're all a mess sometimes. Frequently even. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You know, we're getting ready to have the, the fall festival. I don't know if you guys know I'm supposed to plug it. So, The thing I like about this, this time is not, is not the, the event itself. It's the people that come to it. It's us. It's family. And we get to talk to each other and eat some chili together. That's a pretty good thing. Can I get an amen? And we get to just be a part of each other's life. And we say, how's your son doing? And how's your daughter doing? How are you doing? How can I pray for you? What can we do to show you the grace of love? It's actually being a family. And somewhere that's been lost in the church today. We just think it's a place that we go to on Sunday, but it should be a family that we live with. It should be a group that we trust. And that's hard because sometimes people who go to church aren't the nicest people. Not here, of course. But it happens. And even in that, we need to love those who are unlovely, who make mistakes. We need to show them grace. But the ultimate thing that we must do is show them the that the love of Jesus changed our life and it can change theirs as well. We need to understand that we need to have a lot of love in our life. That's one of the fruits that we have to have. The next thing is joy. It's funny because I think that's one that's messing in the church today a lot. Sometimes, and I think I've said this a million times, but we act like we've come to church and been baptized in vinegar. We come here and we're bitter and we're mean and we're not really nice and why didn't Jeff do that, and that Dave, what's he doing up there, and man, these people, and yada, 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 instead of saying, man, that Jeff, he really brought the word today, that Dave, uh, he can really make me laugh, I got that going for me, we need to start, to start encouraging each other, encourage those who attend here, we need to love on those who love on our family. We need to tell EJ he's doing a great job and give him a hug. Tell David you're glad he's here. Give Jeff a hug and say, man, thank you for bringing the word. You guys, we're a family. We need to build each other up. You know, ministers, all they have. I don't know about you guys. We need more positive in this world. And we need to love each other in spite of each other. How many of you can ever be unlovely? Okay, the rest of you I'm going to preach online next week. I'm going to tell Jeff we're going to talk about that now. Philippians 4, 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord, and again I will say rejoice. I love that verse. I don't think we say it the way Paul would, though, because I think Paul would say, Rejoice! Wake up! You've got a second chance, and you've got a 108th chance, and you've got a 147th chance. Rejoice in the Lord always. And all God's people say, Rejoice. Man, I am so grateful. That's what church should be more. When we sing these songs, we should be smiling. We should be hugging. We should be loving each other because we have the greatest thing that has ever happened in this world is that Jesus died for me and came back. That is life. That makes me whole. 
And nothing you can say about me or to me or about me will change that because Jesus still loves me, and that's enough. I love my Jesus. James 1, 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. That's one of my favorite verses. I didn't always get it. And it took a year where my mom, my dad, and my son died. And I felt like I was going through one thing after another thing after another thing. And then I realized something that I'd forgotten. Here's what it looks like to count in all joy. I realized this isn't heaven. This isn't my goal. I realized I'm going to get to see my son again. I'm going to see my dad again. I'm going to see my mom again. And all of a sudden, I caught myself finding it all joy because the goal is heaven, not here. Can I get an amen? How many of you are trying to live for the goal or how many of you are just trying to get through life? Sometimes the church is getting through life instead of trying to get to the goal. And the goal is Jesus changed my life, so I'm going to count in joy. No matter what you're going through, some of you got stuff that I can't even imagine, and it's just beating the time out of you, and you're wore out, and you're sad, and and you're fearful, and things are just not going the way that it should. Can I just challenge you today to count it all joy? Now, that's hard, but it's easy when you say, Jesus, this is yours. I love it when I give Jesus stuff, because that means I don't have to deal with it anymore. I still try to, but I don't have to. I got to give it to him and let him take it. How many of you ever given Jesus something and took it back? And those of you who didn't raise your hand, how many of you ever lied? Just kidding. Count it all joy when you... The next thing is peace. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Think about this. You, me, everyone in this room, whether it be Chris or Ben or Margaret or any of us, we all get the peace of God if we just let it go into our hearts. And here's the thing. I've had people ask me, um, when, when we lost our son, how can you get through that? The truth was, I didn't. Jesus did. He got me through it. I'm a mess. I was broken. I was sad. I was mad. I was all the things. And then Jesus says, I got you, because he reminded me of something that I forgot. You ever, anybody ever forget something that God tells you? My goal is not this earth. My goal is to be with him. My goal is heaven, where my son is, where my family is, where my mom and dad are. That's the goal. Some of you are going through grief right now, and I, I hear you, and I know that, but listen to me. If you let that grief overwhelm you, then you're doing what the devil wants, but if you let that grief grow you, build you, allow Jesus to take it. Watch what happens when Jesus takes your grief. Your grief all of a sudden becomes something you can smile even though you hurt. That's what the peace of God's about. The peace of God is no matter what I go through, I can get through because I got Jesus. The next one is forbearance or patience. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. That's a sermon in itself. How many of you rejoice in hope? Can I, can I tell you just a second why, why I rejoice in hope? Because this is my home. I don't know about you guys. I love y'all, but I can't wait to get to be with Jesus. I can't even imagine. I love worship here. Can you imagine what worship's going to be like in heaven? Can you imagine how we're all singing? And, all, and some of you can't sing, so trust me, it's going to be good. Some of us can't sing. How's that? That's better. 
Rejoice in hope, man. I've got hope. I really have hope. Do you hear me? You have hope. Be patient in tribulation. Listen, bad times will come and go. That's just it. How many of you had a bad week? It's just me and one kid. Okay, great. We all have, how many of you had a bad day this week? How many of you had a bad week, bad month, bad year? Here's the thing that God does with that. He just tells you to trust in him and be patient. Even though it's bad, the hope is not from, for here, but it's in heaven. I have a home in heaven. That gives me hope. I can be patient in whatever God gives me because he is my God. And if I'm patient in tribulation, that means when things beat the time out of me, when people are ugly. How many of you have ever had somebody be ugly to you before? I don't know about you all. That hurts, especially if someone close to you. Interestingly enough. But here's the thing. When that happens, I, I realize that they might not understand what the love of Jesus looks like. So I can be patient with them, and I can do the next thing and be constant in prayer. How many of you pray every day, every moment? Sometimes the older I get, the more I think life is just to get up and pray and go to bed and wake up and pray. It really is. Some of you need to work at that. I need to work at that. Pray for your children. Pray for your wife, your husband. Pray for your church. Pray for your parents. Pray for each other. If you don't know someone who needs prayer, I'm just going to tell you, you need to get out more. Because we all need prayer. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not, get, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. We're supposed to love each other in spite of each other. Do good. That means take care of one another. Romans 8.25. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I don't like that verse. Do you guys? How many of you love to wait for patience? How many of you have kids and on December 24th, they're driving you absolutely nuts? Anybody here? How many of you are the kid that, they, that you're usually driving them nuts too? Because I don't know about you. I can't wait to open up presents. I'm so excited. But the reality is I have to understand that I can't give up. I can't just quit. I have to constantly be working towards God. If I hope for what we do not see, we, hope, we wait for it with patience. I'm going to wait for God no matter what happens. No matter what he does or what happens to me, I'm going to wait on God because he is worth it. He loves you. If you don't get anything else out of this message today, I pray that you hear. Jesus loves you so much, you don't even know. And when he loves you, you can do the next thing, kindness. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God, Christ, God in Christ forgave you. How many of you believe that Jesus forgave you of your sins? How many of you act like it every day? Exactly. So what do we need to do? How many of us need to act like Jesus has changed us every day and has given us grace? How many of us need to act like that? Keep your hands up. Keep praising because every one of us need to do it every day. Proverbs eleven seventeen: A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. When I see the church being mean to each other, it breaks my heart. I know a lot of pastors, and for a while I had led a pastor's retreat down in um, Jamestown, and, and you'd hear people, and they'd get these horrible, horrible stories of people acting horrible. 
And you're thinking, why do they do that? Why does that happen? I think a lot of it is because they really don't know the Jesus that they're going to learn about. They don't understand who he is and what he's done. When we do that, we can love each other. How many of you know someone who does something ugly? Anybody here? How many of you have kids? Surely you know somebody. Even in that, I can love them. I can show them Jesus. I can be more kind and loving and gentle. I don't want to be the cruel man that hurts himself. Did you notice that? It doesn't say that he hurts others. He hurts himself. I don't want to hurt myself anymore. And the best way to do that is to live for Jesus. Goodness. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Amen and amen. Taste the Lord and see that he is good. Sing to Jesus. When we have the, the time of worship, just give it up. Some of you need to get to the altar. Be honest with him. Faithfulness. A faithful person will have many blessings, but one in a hurry to get rich will not go unpunished. There's a lot to say there, but just break that word. Listen to it. How many of you work at faithfulness every day? Here's what it looks like. Jesus, I love you. I'm sorry I messed up. Ten minutes later, Jesus, I love you. I'm sorry I messed up again. Lunch, Jesus, I'm sorry. I love you. Help me to be better. Help me to be faithful. How many of you believe God saved your life? How many of you act like it every day? If you're not raising your hand, maybe you need to. Elizabeth Elliot said this, the job, the job has been given to me to do. Therefore, it is a gift. Therefore, it is a privilege. Therefore, it is an offering I make to God. Therefore, it is to be done gladly. If it is done for him here, not somewhere else, I may learn God's way. In this job, not in some other, God looks for faithfulness. Next one is gentleness, 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And this is one of my favorite texts because it tells me that I need to be ready to tell anybody and everybody about my Jesus how he changed my life. And I need to do it with a kind heart. Um, we don't need to be like, you know, I always think the one where they just start screaming at you. How I many you know people like that, you know? Or you say, well, I am. Let me tell you all about it. I think we need to be people who loves each other and has gentleness and respect. And we try to figure out why someone hadn't followed Jesus yet. Maybe look at their past. Look at their history. Love on them. Show them a lot of grace. Proverbs 51 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. What does the church look like sometimes? Think of this. What do you look like sometimes? Because you are the church. Are you showing people grace and love and kindness and gentleness and all these things that we're talking about this morning? Is that the fruit that's falling off of your life or is it meanness and anger and cruelty, and cruelty, easy for me to say. The next one, self-control. Proverbs 25, 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into, into and left without walls. How many of you this morning catch yourself, some of these, you know, I get this one, I get this one, but oh, this one. Is it self-control you struggle with or gentleness? Just be honest. Watchman Nee said this. If we know that the aim of the Holy Spirit is to lead men to the place of self-control, 
We shall not fall into passivity, but shall make good progress in spiritual life. The, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. That means, how many of you have ever met somebody in church you'd like to smack upside the head? I have. Just, just me? How many of you just lied? We always have people that we struggle with. But if I love Jesus, I can love them in spite of them. Because guess what? They're loving you in spite of you. Some of us aren't real pretty. Some of us make a lot of mistakes. But if we show God, we can change their life. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit of not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So we need to start showing these things. Almost done. Hang with me. Verse 23, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. It's as simple as this. We need to be the church. How many of you know someone in this place that's hurting right now? How many of you reached out to them and loved on them? How many of you know somebody that needs to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Don't just raise your hand. Do something about it. Can I get an amen? One of my favorite singers right now is this guy, Zach Williams. And this is a song. And when he said this in this song, it just, it pierced my heart. This is what it says. I guess that's what happens when he chases you down. Everything's different. There's a new me in town. I don't wake up angry at the mirror on the wall. So if you mess the old me, well, that's Jesus' fault. Listen, do people mess the old you or you really haven't changed that much? Here's the goal. Every one of us, every one of us needs to change something in our life. Some of you need to come up here and say, God, take this alcohol. It's killing me. It's killing my family. God, take these cigarettes. I can't stop wanting them. God, take this abusive language that I've been giving people, this cussing, this ugliness. God, take it. Some of you, I love you. You need to get up here and get right with God. You need to be honest to God and tell him everything that's going on in your life. One of the best things about being a pastor is when you get to baptize people. And there are two people, um, one at the church in Phoenix and one at the church here that, that changed my life a little bit. The first one, her name was Helen. She was 95 years old. And she came up. To, you get a lot of people like that in Arizona, just trust me. And she was 95, and she came up to me, and she said, David, that's what she called me. She goes, I think I need to get baptized. She's 95. I said, well, why do you think that? She goes, well, you preached on it. You're right. I need to do it. I said, okay. And it scared me a little bit because she's 95. So we got her in there, and it was incredible. And so she went down, and she came back up. And I'll never forget what she did. She went just like this. She went, yes, 95-year-old woman. Some of us who are 30 don't even do that anymore. Yes, I got Jesus. Scream it, yell it, be excited about it. We need the church to start yelling and screaming about the love we have. I love Miss Helen. She was incredible. She came, in fact, the wee later, she goes, come over. She goes, that was so much fun. I said, what was She goes, just getting right with Jesus. Why don't everybody do it? Good question. Then there was another lady, and we called her Mama Carter. Some of you have been going here a long time. You might have met Mama Carter. She came. She's an African-American lady. I always sit in the back row, would say amen, no matter what I was saying, especially if I mentioned food. She was right there with me. She's one of my favorite people in all the world. And I remember that um, 
when I baptized her, I'd never felt something like that before. And this is what happened. She came up and she had a look on her face like I'd never seen. She was just elated in God. She was excited about God. She gave me the biggest bear hug and she says, now I'm ready to live. Some of you need to come up out of that watery grave and say, now I'm ready to live. Some of you need to come out of that sin that you've been walking in, that stupidity that you're dealing with, that ignorance that you have going on in your life, and you need to say, now I'm ready to live for Jesus. And all God's people say, I pray I'm a lot more like Miss Helen and Mama Carter, that I'm truly excited every day about my Jesus. And if you're not, talk to someone today. Don't leave this place hurting. Leave this place whole. Leave this place knowing that God's got a a purpose for you. And that purpose is to show you who he is so you can show others who he is. You stand with me and pray. Heavenly Father, I love you. I love everyone in this church. I'm so grateful for a time where we can break your word. May we apply it to our everyday getting up, living life. May we show it to people that needs to hear it. May we love it on each other and take care of one another. May we uh, smile because we have you today. If there's anyone in this place hurting, may they find wholeness in you. If there's anybody in this church that needs to give something up, may they have the boldness to go up to the altar and say, God, here's my cussing. Here's my ignorance. Here's my prejudice. Here's my stupidity. Here's my gluttony. Here it is, Jesus. And God, may we know, may we really know that you take it. So may we give those things up to you that are keeping us from you. May we trust you. May we be willing to share to a world that needs to hear that you give us hope, that you give us a second chance, and you give some of us a 187th chance. May we share it with the people that need to hear it. May we love each other. Father, if anyone needs to come forward, Make them do that right now, Father. May they be willing to come up here and pray with somebody. May we be a church that reaches out to them and loves them and shows them your love. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people say.